The Tangent Egg Podcast is aimed at a mature audience. It contains themes that are not appropriate for all listeners. It's important to note that we are not experts. We routinely have no idea what we're talking about and are just three idiots sitting around a table. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Tangent Egg Podcast. I'm Seth, and as always, with me is Jondo and Swoosh. Hello. G'day. And, uh, man, it just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. We're back to talking about Diablo. Hopefully so, for good news this time. Hopefully. Hopefully Blizzard have learned something. Maybe. One can only Look, hope. Wh- they learned how pin numbers. They're just charging us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what they've announced is actually more of an evolution on what they've already been doing and generally been liked by the community. So they've stated that the Diablo 4, which is something I was very concerned would end up into some kind of microtransaction hellscape because of a model they've stated that they're sticking with the seasons model which they've been running very successfully in Diablo 3 for a long time now uh, which will work on a rotating three months uh, every three months they'll bring out a new set of challenges and things for you to do for that season and you you, typically you start a new character for the season and, and you know you progress but they're adding on top of that a battle pass of some kind Hmm. so They'll have some kind of other track to to do as well. They've been very upfront. Well, upfront, uh, the biggest air quotes you can possibly imagine, um, saying that like the best gear will still be findable. It's not going to be found in the battle pass or in the season pass, uh, and like it'll all be wait and see, see how it actually pans out. But it does sound good. They're sticking with a model that. They've already proven they can do. They've been doing for a long time, and the Diablo community generally is pretty okay with. Yeah, like the in, battle pass previously has been pretty good. In this, they're, they're saying in air quotes, the best looking cosmetics aren't exclusive to the shop. Doesn't mean mm. the most powerful shit isn't exclusive to the shop. Yeah, because once you start getting power creep for each new season that comes out to make people want the new stuff, like eventually shit's gonna end up in the shop. So yeah, well. That's the effect of the season model. They can put out really powerful gear that's really powerful for three months, but then you would be playing it once it rotates. You'd be playing a non-season champion with that really powerful gear. Yeah. So if you make a new in-season champion, you start from scratch again, or at least if they replicate the season model they did for Diablo three. So actually- it doesn't actually matter that much if they put big powerful gear in a season because after three months it's gone. That's true. Surely they had to have looked at like Diablo Morlo and gone, oh fuck. Like, oh, like they're they, going to have to fight uphill. We sort of uphill. fucked up here and uh, it's making us money so we're not going to stop but we really can't do that yeah. again. But this is basically gone, okay, we got away with this once and you guys got really angry. They have to actually get good rapport back. Like, they have lost a lot of people, let's be honest. Blizzard's not been doing great for a while. From like the controversies with their higher ups to Immortal, and God help them if they start fucking with World of Warcraft, there'll be an actual riot on their hands at that point. But they're going to have to try hard to bring people back. I think, like just, just to get that trust back. They also said recently uh, to to drop the loot boxes and to move to a battle pass. They're doing the same thing with uh, Overwatch. There, you won't get those fucking. Mm loot boxes anymore they're putting that more towards a, a battle pass or whatever the fuck they want to call it this time around yeah 
But Tell you what, I, I, I lost a lot of time to Overwatch, and I both loved and hated um, loot boxes, because I never once paid for them, because I really couldn't be bothered spending money on a game I'd already bought. But when you have, like, six of them stacked up, like, yes, I'm going to do the thing, that little dopamine section in your brain goes off. But then you get nothing but six in a row of commons, it's like, neat, thank you for all <laughs> that hard-earned time. See. I'm I'm a very big believer in that they should be able to state the drop rate and like everything you can mm. find in the box and the potential drop rate of that thing. Like that, that should be, be listed somewhere, not just oh here's a box. You might get a you might get a good thing in this. Oh trash again. Better luck next time. Maybe if you spend some money. Like, oh the the worst thing is when you get an epic and it just turned out to be coins or a spray. Like I I hate all of you <laughs> forever. Just so much of my hatred. I think it's in Europe. They actually do make them do that. Yeah, you you have to publish the the drop chance rates of anything that's uh, that's random. Yeah, and what if you've done it for one place? Why not do it for fucking everywhere? Just say, hey, look. Unless you're actively skewing those fucking drop rates everywhere else, why Which not? Which is do just it for probably what else? they're doing. Oh yeah, spend some money and you get a slightly better drop rate. I mean, come on, the, the the big problem with it, and probably the reason they're not doing it everywhere, is because once you tell people that they've got a one chance of a drop, that kills the mystique. Yeah. Yeah. You've got so a 40% you're not chance tell- of trash, or you've got a yeah. 0.001% chance of something you might actually want. It's like, oh, there's the fucking value in it. Hmm. So that's why they would do it because the why they wouldn't do it because the the more they can obfuscate that the better even if you even if the tables are the same in like I said I can't remember where they are that you actually have to publish it. It's Germany, I think, off the top but, um, of my head. I could be very wrong there. Yeah, but that Germany is the one that that's talking sounds... to, to to court. I think where it's like you know yeah. you have to listen to us now. I was like, oh okay. I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in Europe. Yeah. But like, even if it's easy enough for me to go look it up, I have to go and look it up. Yeah. Whereas. Other people may not. They may just see a pretty box and think that they have a, you know, there's 10 things in it, which means I have a 1 in 10 chance. Yeah. But really it was, you know, you 70% chance for the first item and it just gets worse from there. Like, yeah. I, I get the appeal of them. There is that little dopamine thing when you're going through that animation of everything popping out and it's like, oh, what did I get? And it's the same way they lure you in with just gambling or poker machines. They make them loud and flashy and catches your attention it's like this is underhanded I'm not sure I'm okay yeah. with this yeah that's why I never spent I mean, money on it that, I mean, that's why there's been all that legislation because like you know as quote unquote functioning adults uh, <laughs> we, we're, I could we're, all, I could hear the air quotes there <laughs> I know right um I look, man. I buy the dumbest stuff. I have a full size toy pulse rifle, uh, which I haven't actually shown John Doe, but I do own. Um, I have money. I do what I I want. (laughs) Um, I own multiple three D printers and just bought a laser cutter. I can't be trusted with money. I know, right? That's why you should uh, be trusted with money. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs a house? Who needs a house? Who needs financial security? You can have I'll the fun toys. Fuck you. And <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a little one on my keychain. Hmm. At least that is, way though, <laughs> as quote-unquote adults, we're, we're, we're more predisposed to understand what's going on. Hmm. So 
I, I like for me a lot of that you know uh, for loot boxes went away pretty quick when I realized oh these these are these are shit I'm yeah. gonna get mostly garbage in these things because I'm getting fucking voice lines and sprays and costumes for characters I don't even like um and it it like it neutered the effect straight away for me and mm. I really fucking hate the things um who the fuck plays but, an FPS to get a fucking voice line I just well, my character. Those people so I just exist. want to they shoot the to. thing. Like, yeah, that just seems fucking stupid, man. I just want to shoot the thing. I spray in a wall. I just want to shoot the people. I don't give a fuck. Like the only game I've ever cared about skins and anything was Overwatch because they were so vastly different half the time. It's like, oh, I can turn the monkey into a yeti. Okay, done. I can run around as a giant like abominable snowman. I'm okay with this. Like, they were vastly different enough that it got my attention. Whereas most other mm. places, like, oh, cool, I have a slightly different version of camo on my gun. Yay! Mm. But then we're not the target audience for this sort of effect. Yeah. It's generally younger people, children, yeah. who just see the pretty colors and the thing appears and they don't think about cost. The, the shiny, shiny um, feel good. Oh, my God, I got yeah. another thing. I got yeah. another Fortnite dance that people are going to want to slap me for. No, yeah, there. pretty much. So, you know, that sort of stuff is where this gets malicious. And let's face it, that's why the European Union decided they yeah. wanted to start um, setting up legislations against loot boxes because it was clear that it wasn't targeting the adults. It was either no, no. targeting people who are vulnerable or children. It's not It's not loot boxes anymore. It's surprise mechanics. Oh, get out of here, EA. <laughs> <laughs> The worst bit that. is, you know that girl who said that doesn't oh, believe it. Someone oh God, just no. fed her that and was yeah. like, you cannot admit that a loot box is gambling. You have to call it this so it's yeah. something else. And that girl had to sit in a congressional hearing oh. and say the fucking words, it's surprise mechanics. I feel so bad for like, if, if you've ever watched it, you can just see hope die in her eyes. It's like, you poor dear. But what about the sense yeah. of accomplishment? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's the when I was thing. a kid I played way more games with cheats and trainers and I did not regret it in the slightest yeah, no I had a lot of fun but now that we've grown up a bit it's I I can cheat in games it's like I really can't be bothered because I'm I know if I struggle through this I'm going to get the greatest sense of accomplishment from finally kicking this guy in the fucking teeth like when you reach a point, the entire where, reason I play FromSoft games. Yeah, but when you reach a point where you like you're stuck in that cycle of a boss kicking you in the teeth, and it's like, like you start mocking them in their opening dialogue, like repeating shit yeah. back to them in a mocking voice. When you finally win, oh, that's a great feeling. No, oh, the yeah. problem is oh, when yeah. you fight those bosses and you finally win, but in the last scene, they fuck off again, and you got to fight them again later. It's like just. Fucking die! Yep. I'm, I'm done with you. Have you ever been playing a game in, like in a cutscene and you just see someone? We we all went to the the same uni and we learnt game theory and we learnt you know story theory and that kind of stuff. And you see someone who you know for a fact you're going to have you're going to kill eventually or is going to betray you. It's like I'm going to enjoy murdering you. Like. I shouldn't. When you walk into the king's throne room and he goes, here's my vizier. And it's like, oh, yeah. I'm murdering you later. Yeah. So, oh, you're, you're an evil guy right there. Or even, I do like the trope where it's not the vizier and they just look creepy. 
It's just all like, yeah. like you know, you're clearly the person. It's like, no, I want to save the kingdom. Like, oh, okay. I actually uh, like puppies. Yeah. No, I've done that in D&D games before, where it's the whole thing of like, ah, yes, the creepy vizier. And it's like, ah, we'll you know, put him in the zone of truth and make him confess his schemes. Oh, wait, no, he's just an awesome guy and just seems to be kind of creepy. He's just blessed with creepy face. Did we he's just a- can make this guy confess to making a puppy orphanage? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just unfortunate circumstantial face. He's just ugly. Shit. Meanwhile, sorry, <laughs> I have a group of city guardsmen turning people into Ragu. But still. <laughs> look, look, we were justified in that. They tried to abduct one of us. I will not have this slander against the guard. <laughs> yes, I still like that day started with you guys going antiquing and ended with you turning a person to Ragu. Um, that was a fun game. <laughs> but yeah, but, so well, I mean, Diablo. High hopes, not expecting it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We can dream. That's the thing. <laughs> Look, I dream hard because the the particular type of game that Diablo is, I don't know what its current title is. I I when I grew up, it was called Hack and Slash. Yeah, that's just well, what Diablo was. Now now it's um, more of a Hack and Slash is more like Bayonetta that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like a yeah, I know that's a character action game. The Diablo esque, like Diablo's become its own thing. Like it is more or less, it's like Souls like. I think, I think they call them action RPGs now. Yeah, um, but that's still like really broad. Because mm. like Witcher um, falls into that. Like yeah, yeah. Trying to define what it is, like there's so many genres that it could fit. Like that is the problem. I know it from could. when I was a kid. Yeah, as a hack and slash, mm. and really, there's just it. Uh, the guys who make uh, who made Titan Quest and Grim Dawn and Torchlight, yeah, and that's really it. They're the only people making these anymore that are any good. There's a lot of people trying. Like it's definitely one of those. Um, There's the subcategory genres of genres that feel like you. That kind I mean, of not really that sort of thing. Um, like I, pl- I play every type of this game that I can get my hand on. Yeah. Um, and some are better than others. Some are like definitely have some promise, but like a lot of them are like, eh, you, you you tried, man. I get it. You've got some medieval assets together, and you yeah. let me slap some zombies, but it's not working, bro. To be honest, like I never actually finished Diablo three. Uh, I never got around to finishing it because every time I'd start playing it, someone I know on my friends would pop in, going, "Hey, I'll power level you." Like, I don't want a power level. I just want to play the story. Leave me yeah. alone. But uh, it was so odd, and eventually I just too bad the fact that it. fucking Diablo three story was an overcooked noodle. Yeah, yeah. I eventually got through. It was most fun to play, it, but like, eh. yeah, horrible. But necromancer so for the win. Dumb. <laughs> That's oh, always yeah. the way. Either Fuck we get yeah. good game- gameplay and shit story, or good story uh, story and shit gameplay. There's no in between. We really re- like get my. These gems. I think uh, Torchlight two did a really good job, particularly within that genre branch. Um, but I'm a weird evangelicus for Torchlight. I fucking love that. Except Torchlight 3 is terrible. Oh. <laughs> I remember playing the first Torchlight. I don't think I played the second one, and I've heard that is the one Torchlight the better is really good. Yeah. It's got some great mods. Um, it's it's really quite fantastic. I really, really like Torchlight 2. I might have um, to start doing that when I get the uh, the new computer set up. And well, when you get I can actually build, play games on a PC. You give me a yell, and we'll co-op through it. <laughs> Sounds good. Hell yeah. Let's co-op the whole of Torchlight 2. We'll stream it all and hate it by the end of the week. It's a lie! 
<laughs> Question is, do I get to wear a bucket for a helmet? Because I remember that being in Titan Quest. It was one of my favorite armor sets. It was completely useless. It doesn't have to be in the <laughs> game, bud. I'll find a bucket. I'll cut a face hole out for you. We'll go for gold. Done. I'll wear it <laughs> on the stream. But, but, but John Doe, if we put a bucket on his head, then we can steal his 3D printers because he won't be able to tell we're stealing. That's why we Ooh. just turn the bucket around so it covers the face hole. We're done. True. We're clear. Yeah, and yeah. then when we need him back, we just spin it around again. He can see us. He's like, oh, What so you're saying is, I just need to start printing masks to wear on stream, I think. Just like <laughs> random ones that I can. I'd be keen for that. Just, just never show we'll my draw, face. Different mask for everything. We'll, we'll draw a squirrel on the inside of the bucket so he just turn around and keep him entertained. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be angry if that didn't work. <laughs> You need to do the thing where you cut the slits in it so that you get the little animation so it just keeps turning the bucket so the squirrel runs. <laughs> the little Ooh, isometric image, so yeah. <laughs> Scary thing is I could probably make that pretty quickly. That'd actually be pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Custom bucket. So Bucket hell of distraction. <laughs> moving on to our next, uh, next thing. Uh, another crypto-backed theme, uh, crypto game has crashed and burned. As we expect. Huda fucking thunk it. It's straight out of left field, man. I I wouldn't have seen that coming anywhere in the world. And it hasn't just crashed and burned. Like, the people that backed it aren't getting refunds because there's no fucking money. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't happen to dumber people. I know. It's almost like it was a Ponzi scheme. Huda fucking thunk it. I still just don't understand how they thought they would ever make money from them. Like anytime it pops up, I'm like I'm just gonna ignore that and watch it flounder. It'd be fun. Look, the biggest issue I see with these things is they all start by going, "We're gonna be a crypto thing." <sighs> the only way that works is if you somehow make your thing blow up. Yeah. But a lot of people are like, oh, it's a crypto thing. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Like, I remember if at one point, gonna... a few of our mates are still doing freelance and that kind of stuff for like design and animation and God knows what else. Um, one of our mates was you know, contacted for, was like, oh, can you do some stuff for a crypto game? And his exact words were, go fuck yourself. No. <laughs> it's like, that was a smart idea. Well done. Yeah, just like, so, he knew he wasn't getting paid because I'm pretty sure they would have done the thing of oh no we'll, get, we'll let you keep some of the stuff as the crypto and then you can make money that way so the, the game was Untamed Isles it was meant to be a, a monster taming turn based MMORPG hmm. um, and it's, it was on Kickstarter they made oh, $527,000 so more than four times their initial asking goal of I'm assuming yeah. that was like yeah so all of that went to like cocaine and and hookers, guaranteed. Oh yeah, would have gone fucking blown clean out the window. Um, was meant to be a play to earn model with crypto elements. Yeah. Which yeah, no. Like that's just ticking every box of this is a scam. Hey, by the way, it's a scam. Don't forget it's that, a scam. Because that is you, so you're many red flags. To, you're supposed to be able to tokenize like your monsters and your items yeah. and your stuff and be like so, I can sell these for real money on the crypto marketplace yeah, so the, the monsters were meant to be unique in how you train them and the skills they get and then you can sell those monsters online that was just going to be a whole fucking shop of Bidoof's that's all it was going to be yeah. <laughs> no no Bidoof's in varying colours that's how it works <laughs> 
the odd shiny Bidoof. Yeah. <laughs> with all the shittiest skill set. Because no, no that's the problem with the these stuff. things. That is the issue with these kinds of games. Because they are all shiny. That's the problem. It's like, yeah. you know, shiny Pokemon are worth something because they're relatively rare for a drop rate. Whereas in these cases, each one is unique Snowflake. Hurrah! Like, then yeah. nothing is special. When everyone like, is special, yeah, but, no one is. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, the, the the uniqueness could be a single point difference in power. Yeah. yeah. Or just a pixel that is slightly differently shaded. That's how, like, these things get you in. You know, to be honest, it's like, you know, oh, it's you could have this dancing banana and it is your thing. Meanwhile, there are 500 other bananas of varying color change that are all doing the exact same thing. Like, yeah. that's what they are. And that's how yeah. they make like, the monkey thing that everyone see uh, the pictures for those that everyone talks about. Oh, the bored ape shit. Yeah. They are just the same stencil with different things overlaid. That is all they are. Mm. It is That's very all any simple. of them are. It's the same shit, yeah. different day, literally. But, yeah. Uh, crypto's bad, okay? Just mm. don't fucking do it. <laughs> there are things that this like kind of stuff could be used for uh, effectively, but aren't being done. But it's just... I, I don't get it. It's one of those things that I don't want to get. And I won't look into further. It's not for me. If you're making money from it, fucking aces to you. Good luck. I hope you don't Scam lose Scam as much shit as you can while you can from the dumb cunts that do buy into it. Good luck to oh, you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so long as you're, you know, with as far as the crypto community is concerned, doing it legit, and you're not doing some fucking rug pull. Yeah. If you're doing rug pulls, you're a dick. I'm they all for making all money off idiots. And pulls. I say that as an idiot. So. They are all doing rug pulls. I... Yeah, and, rug pulls, and pump and dumps. Every it's single like the, one of them um, in the end will be a rug pull or a pump and dump. That's just no, it's it the Rick and Morty episode of all the heists. Each one of them is doing the the one up thing at the end. Like ah, but yeah. what you don't understand is I was doing this the whole time. It's like, eh. <laughs> what you don't understand is I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing we do understand, Swoosh. Mm. <laughs> it's very much what we do understand. <laughs> yeah. But the the thing that feels weirdest though is it's like okay we're we're we're, we're essentially going to do Pokemon but it's an MMO and load it with crypto bullshit. Um, I mean, we wanted all of a, this except for the crypto bullshit. We want Pokemon the MMO. <laughs> it does exist. It's called Temtem. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still enjoying. Like, it already Temtem. got done. You can buy it. It's out. It's in 1.0. Go play it. Wipe back this crap. <laughs> Pretty much. Without like, crypto. Legit. Yay. Yeah, pretty much. Like, legit Temtem. We talked about Temtem a long time back in, like, early days of this mm. podcast. I still enjoy it. Like, I still haven't Dude, finished Sept- it. I just go back to it every so often. In September, it goes live on Switch. Ooh, they actually get... Is Switch going to actually, like, advertise it, though, on their game space? Like, that's what I want <laughs> well, to know. This is the competitor for release. Pokemon... Yeah, are these going to look... No, no, it's definitely there. It's, it's it's definitely there. Just don't look in that corner where it is. Uh, it's over there. But it exists here. <laughs> well, the, all, all that you see that the light touches is our empire. That's that dark area. <laughs> That's Temtem. Don't go over there. <laughs> we put an awning still, over that. <laughs> I still love the memes of that place. Things like, all the light touches is that kingdom. What about that shadowy place? The fuck did I just say, Simba? <laughs> Good times. 
But, you know, long and the short of it, we ain't crypto fans here, and we sure as fuck are even less fans of NFT bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we will happily sit here and laugh, but we also are aware people have made some serious money on this, and well done to them. Um, It's just uh, not One guy we know financed his wedding off crypto. Yeah, it was a really fun wedding, too. Um, So, you know, I definitely know people who've made money within the crypto space. Yeah. But... It, it's it's some sketchy BS. Like there is some great documentaries you can watch. Yeah, I know I've shouted, I've said it on the podcast before, but the line must go up is probably one of the best explanations on crypto and FTs and why it's just one giant pile of crap. Um, much. How about we get off of this where we're super negative and move on to some D and D stuff because they've that got thing that we all out. love. Yes, fucking oath. So, As a side note, so, we will eventually start streaming D&D because I'm going to force these two into doing something with a group of other misfits. But... Oh god, Swoosh, why are you twisting my arm, you monster? My, my elbow is rubber, why are you twisting it so much? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the great thing is, like, I always make sure I have like Seth in the campaign just because he keeps doing dumb shit and then I have to modify my world. <laughs> For the better, in most cases. like I hel- I've gotten... No, you have... On your own, messed with summons enough in my campaigns that I now have a pantheon of summons for either end of the spectrum. The only other person who's contributed to this is Moose with fucking net. God damn yeah. that giant dinosaur of death. <laughs> Come, look, man, my crowning achievement at this point, until I find a better way, it will be and always be Alcatraz. Like, that was a joke that just decided it wanted to be a thing. Ah. <laughs> uh. Have we talked about Alcatraz on this podcast before? I don't think we've done Alcatraz on the podcast. One day we will have to talk about PTSD Dolphin and Alcatraz. Um, I mean, do we want to do it now? Why not? I mean, just real quickly on what they do. Like, in my campaigns, I'm weird. I run summons as perpetual. So if you summon a a horde of squirrels, chances are when you re-summon that again, you're going to have the same squirrels. They come from the ether. They're reborn. But they only remember what happens to them when they're in that material plane. So, during one campaign, I gave Seth a gauntlet that would hold inanimate objects. So, you were using it at one point to throw boulders and then enlarge them again and basically have a mobile trebuchet. Which was great fun. We had some great things with that. But it was... You figured out that you would eventually, once it leveled up, be able to contain living things. And your goblin decided, no, 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 I can do this now. So between yourself and another player, you kept summoning a dolphin over and over again and stipulated it was the same dolphin. (laughs) The first time you summoned this dolphin, you tried to put it in the gauntlet and it exploded violently. It's like, oh, bring it back. So you did, over and over again, for about a week, I believe, was the downtime you did this for. Yeah. Uh, to the point where this, this dolphin, every time it returned back to the, the spiritual realm, would become energy again. But then it started to remember. And now, PTSD dolphin is a thing. So if any <laughs> of my players mistreat a summon, the next time they summon something and get a, uh, a one, because I roll magic... Uh, was a chaos magic for everything. If they get a one, there is a chance they're going to accidentally summon PTSD Dolphin. And that chance increases 
every time they are a dick to a summon. If they summon something <laughs> to go out and self a trap, I make a notch somewhere in a tally. It's like, right, if you if you keep doing this, it gets easier. And yeah, then it starts as a one, then it's a one and a two, then it's a one, two, and a three. Yeah. <laughs> and basically eventually PTSD Dolphin is summoned, and he sits on the Council of Elder Spirits now because he's gained sentience and gained power. And if he's born, like he pops up and he finds you to be wanting in how you treat your summons, it's a huge amount of psychic damage. He turns up and Psyducks everyone, essentially. <laughs> Explosion of psychic damage. <laughs> Because all he remembers is pain and death, the poor bastard. But the opposite side of the coin for this, you created Elcatraz. And Elcatraz was born from a simple point of, we need something to block a doorway. Elks are big, I'll summon an elk. And he blocked a doorway, he did his job, he was great. So you named him. You named him Alcatraz, and then you gave him aviators. So you gave him a mortal possession, which was the start. And from there, they kept summoning Alcatraz back. He gained armor, um, and eventually... Uh, we bought him a, a, a bomber jacket. Yes. And I nicked someone else's police badge so that he'd look more official. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> On a chain around his neck. Uh, and from no, there... Absolutely like the most 80s looking oh, cop, yeah. but he's a big elk. Yeah, just full-on, like, quadrupedic elk. It was great. And from there, it became a point of you had, in your first uh, way, or first night on the job, your your captain died. He didn't even show you your route in full before he died. He got crushed into jam by a falling building. It was amazing. He, he was always going to die. He just wasn't going to die then. Uh, but from there... You made Alcatraz your captain because you didn't want to have to answer to anyone. <laughs> so, no, we did. at which point you put his name down. Uh, I think on all the paperwork, he was a middle-aged dwarf uh, for yep. tax reasons, I think was the, the point you put down. <laughs> uh, but basically from there, he had a mortal contract. And that was the start of the bullshittery. Because a spiritual being was now tethered to the mortal realm by a job. And that's when things started getting... He started gaining personality. And he started gaining a bit more uh, self. And then you had him invest in a business with you. Yeah, uh, he did. And that was the tipping point. Because at that point, he, he signed the contract. There's a big hoof print there. And then, gone. Disappeared. You couldn't summon him again. What had actually happened was he'd been summoned himself to the uh, the you know council of summons, going, "What the fuck are you?" He's like, "Hi, I'm Alcatraz." <laughs> like, the fuck you are, get out! And they kicked him out, and he became mortal. So you guys went home that night to your home base and found just some guy sleeping in your couch. It was Alcatraz. <laughs> And he was technically your captain. And from there, he just went off on adventures for you. So now if someone rolls a 20 on any kind of um, summon check, they're going to get something in their favor. And that will be Alcatraz, who is summoned and goes, oh, I'm here to help. And he will help in any way he can. So you have created both the, the critical failure and critical success of my summoning chart. In just two different <laughs> characters. 
the thing I love is PTSD dolphin was just a reaction to the fact that I spent a week just murdering one dolphin with a magic glove. <laughs> Alcatraz was a joke that went too far. And I just sentient. thought it was funny that we kept summoning this one elk. So I'm like, all right, well, he better look more like a cop. So I'll dress him up as a cop. I'll even let him choose the material of his own jacket. It'll be funny. It's just, we're making jokes, man. It's nothing. And then Swish just kept taking notes and... And then we're like, Haha, wouldn't it be funny if he was our captain? Oh, I do all the paperwork, so I'll just write it up. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and, and and then the joke became real. Because <laughs> like, every time you were doing it, it was never about your own gain as a character. It was you just kept treating this summon as a living thing. So it became a living yeah. thing. Uh, and that's that revolutionized how I deal with summons it, throughout all of these campaigns. Uh so to the point where I have a custom race now, which is the Spiritborn. You can be someone, someone who has escaped. If you want a fun backstory, you could be someone's familiar who lost their caster. And your goal is to find them again. Like, I love those kinds of characters. And now I have a way of introducing that into campaigns. All from bullshittery with a couple of people in my campaigns. Oddly, circled around me. <laughs> yeah. I, well, then there's um, another mate of, of ours, Afro Matt. Um, try and guess why he has his nickname. But he, because of him, there is a new ability in my systems called the Alpha ability, where you essentially use intimidation to go, no, no, you are my bitch now. And you fall in line. Uh, and because he was playing a barbarian, a fighting class, in a very investigation heavy campaign. <laughs> Not just investigation heavy, where everybody else played a caster. Yes. So, and you kept arguing your way around um, any kind of thing. You just, you investigated things properly. It was really great. And he's like, I want to fight things. Like, well, there's not many things to fight, but I can, you can make people your bitch now. It's like, yeah, I'll lean into that. Like, done. But, oh, good times. D&D is a strange thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. And that is the shenanigans you can look forward to if I ever get around to streaming this with these two Muppets <laughs> and a few others who just, the horror uh, they produced. I mean, Net I is terrifying. Told you, um, I, I was playing in a, in a different role-playing game. Yes, I cheat on you with other role-playing groups to <laughs> deal with it. How dare um, uh, This was another friend of ours, and we were playing a, a sword and sorcery-themed game called Beasts and Barbarians. They're... Long story short, we're in a siege. I end up fighting the other army's champion. Hmm. And I am playing what is called a loincloth hero, which is a barbarian character who can wear nothing but a loincloth. And if I do, I get a free circle roll on damage. So, so I Conan. can eventually avoid damage. Yeah. Um, and, and this dude's come out. He's like, big dude, full plate armor, big axe. And we start fighting, but we're... we're, we're absurdly evenly matched me and the dm are, are like staring each other down because it's like one of us if one of us can get the damage to explode and just keep rolling dice they are the players fucked yeah and we're doing this and we're, we're trying to find an advantage for our, eventually i go i'll do a grapple successfully grapple the dude then i get to perform a crush attack where i basically just get to do a buttload of damage so essentially what i decided i did is there's this big barbarian dude gets behind the fucking dude in full plate armor with this giant battle axe and just suplexes him into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> just playing his hand and then he died. So it's just like, head buried in dirt. 
Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not just your game, Swoosh. I, I do dumb shit in everybody's game. Oh, no, you, every game needs at least one person to liven things up and have fun. Um, like, there's other mates of ours, Moose, who does interesting dumb things. I... I I have never seen someone more blessed and cursed by the dice gods than than Moose. It's terrifying. It's ones and twenties. There is no in between. It's just ones and twenties forever. But, uh, but so no. we haven't. We, look, we've talked a bunch about D and D, but we haven't actually talked about the big thing that they've announced. Oh yeah, sorry, I got sidetracked. I got distracted. <laughs> um. So as part of D and D Beyond, I believe so, they're bringing out. Sorry. Well. Uh, Wizards of the Coast bought D&D Beyond not long ago. Yeah. Um, and since they bought it, like, I use D&D Beyond a lot. I quite enjoy it. And since they bought it, I've been expecting them to, when they release a physical book, release a digital code as well, so I don't have to buy the fucking thing twice. And they're starting to do that. So there's a, a Dragonlance book coming out in November, and if you buy that, you'll also, the deluxe edition, whatever the fuck it is, you'll get a digital code for it as well, which is pretty cool. Look, I think this is a direction that more companies just need to embrace. Absolutely. That is um, one of the main reasons I haven't transitioned across to uh, D&D Beyond, to be honest. I have all the D&D books. I collect them because I'm weird. If I could just load them in, because I've already paid for them, I'd be really yeah. happy. It'd be great. That's one of the reasons I don't like uh, Hero Lab or some of these other ones, where they're mm. like, cool, you, you've, you've got an account with us, let's go. Oh, you can't make that character. You need to buy the supplement that their shit is in. Otherwise, yeah. you can't do it. it yeah. It's not a thing. It's what really puts me off so many of these um, digital uh, character sorters and things. Because it's just like, why? I Why do I have to pay again? I have literally have the fucking book. Mm. Lay off. But if you give me a digital code, oh, you'll get me in your ecosystem real easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this year, they're bringing it out so... Right now, well, they're releasing a their own virtual tabletop uh, done in Unreal. That's the big 5. announcement. Is That's, that they're doing that? Yeah, they're released. They're doing their own VTT with Unreal Engine Five, so all the little minis and everything. But the direction it's going that if you buy an adventure, um, if you lo- like, you put the code into D and D Beyond. When you play that adventure and you you're using their VTT and you click the little button it will fully populate a 3D world map of all the little enemies placed, secret rooms, everything. You're just playing through the adventure. Your your DM is running through it and the map is made for you for that adventure, which is, I think is fucking great. So I love fucking around. Oh yeah. To be honest, that sounds amazing. I'm not a big fan of canned adventures myself. Um, I think that's just because I've gotten to play with a lot of really good GMs who did custom adventures, uh, Master Swoosh here being one of them. Um, so I have not a low opinion of, of canned stuff, but I'm just not that into it. Mm. On the other hand, if you went, we're going to play online, and we're going to play this canned adventure, why? Because it is going to populate a fully detailed map for us. Oh, that'll, that'll get me over the line on, on, oh, yeah, on a yeah. canned adventure. Absolutely. The, the issue I always have with canned adventures is the fact that they uh, hinge on the players being wanting to be heroes. Like, every time. Yes. They, they yes. hinge on the heroes. People going, I'm going to save the small child. Most of the people we play with are D 
dicks. There's no way around it. We are idiots. And it's great because homebrew stuff, it just leads to shenanigans. I've tried yeah. running canned adventures, but they kind of go off the rails when any well, kind of freedom is given. In, in some way or another, a canned adventure requires the players to follow the railroad. No matter yeah. what, at some yeah. point they have to be invested in, this is the, the ecosystem we're in, this is the direction you need to take. Anyone that yeah. sort of pokes at the wall too hard to find a way out is just going to break that entire thing down. But yeah. like for first-time DMs or people that just want to run a campaign without oh, having yeah. to prep an entire homebrew world, I think this is fucking amazing. Oh, and yeah. like Absolutely. from what they've shown of it, like being able to develop the like, uh, so say you buy a, a book and it comes with a whole heap of assets for the VTT, you can then use those to make your own map. And to get mm. more assets for it, you might buy another book which comes with the, all the assets from that, or oh. whatever you're going to do with it. I've got a fuckload of stuff on D and D Beyond, so I'm fucking praying it comes with a fuckload of assets for it. Oh, that'd be good. Oh, I'll absolutely. They'll like I said. They'll rope me into their ecosystem. Oh yeah. If they do if, that, if oh. they came with like pre-made fucking digital minis that I can sit down and customize to how I want, it's done. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I I'd happily pay into it. And one of those things. My as biggest well problem is, is that I, would, I don't play D anD D anymore. Yeah. No. Uh, but, the only thing is, I would love to just steal their infinite like their stuff. Like just copy and pasting a dungeon. I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so for the the whole thing, um, like they're they're releasing or they're about to start releasing five point five e for Dungeons and Dragons, which is just five yeah. e slightly modified, like the old three point five e. But you can actually play test the the one D and D as they call it now, the virtual tabletop and their new rule set at the moment. If you just go to D and D Beyond, you'll see a little link there, and you can follow it through and give it a bit of a crack. Um, I've had a bit of a look at it and I I quite like the way it's heading. They're changing a few things which I think some people aren't going to like and I think it's going to be harder and harder for people to homebrew if particularly in the, the 3D world and the ecosystem they've built. Um, even people that have made their own adventures that, oh, you can play this using the, the 5e rule set. It's going to be fucking hard to do it in this ecosystem. Like any of the yeah. books you backed on Kickstarter that, oh, here's a, a canned adventure. It's going to be hard to do. Mm. But I think... Well, that depends how they build out the tool set because hopefully true. they'll build it out in a way where, oh, cool, I bought a canned adventure off Kickstarter. Okay, this isn't in Beyond, but I can build it and it yeah. won't be too hard. That's, yeah. yeah. Currently trying to make a homebrew item in D&D Beyond is like pulling your teeth out the rusty pliers. It really But is. all in all, I think this is a great direction they, they're taking it. Like, you can already get well, look, uh, above VTT for D&D Beyond, which I absolutely fucking love for running games in. But I think this is a great direction for it all. I think that's why they're probably looking at it because there is so many of these third-party applications and services for digital uh, playing of role-playing games. Uh, you know, Roll20 being one of the bigger ones that people have used for a long time. Uh, John Doe only just told us about Above VTT, um, which I'm kind of interested in, but yeah, I'm good. probably never going to use. And then there's stuff like Tailspire, which is already doing the uh, 3D characters and buildings thing. And I don't know how that works with importing new stuff, because I have seen some stuff run in Tailspire, and people seem to have very custom minis. 
Um, so I'm curious as to how that works. But point is, it's not the first... Uh, the, there's been a glut of people making money off essentially having digital spaces to play D&D in. Yeah. So it makes complete sense that, that Watsy is like, you know what, no, no. We need to get some of that bread back in our pocket and we'll make something yeah. really fucking cool and unreal. And surely with so many other ones out there, like they can look at them all and go, oh, fuck, there's lessons to be learned here. I like the feature of that one mm. and the feature of that one and this over here and bring the good things together. Like there's plenty of fucking things they can do with it that they could do really well. It's whether they do or not. That's going to yeah. be the big fucking yeah. selling point. Yeah, absolutely. What will be interesting for me is at one point, we have a, a group chat so we can just throw random things at each other during the week. Um, John Doe put up one a while ago, which was an AI that runs D&D. Yeah. So I, I'm keen to you know look at that in future to see if there's something fun there. That, um, that'd be a really interesting thing to run. Like just oh, yeah. throw it in the world and see how it reacts and see where you end up. That could be quite entertaining. Like, if you could plug that into like D and D Beyond somehow, just so it can read the rules and it can run things through their tabletop, well, um, even have that run a canned adventure for you. Yeah, I reckon that'd be fun. Just you go in, and that way you don't have to find someone like any forever DM can say, "Fuck, I actually want to play a game for once," and they can mm. roll a character and roll fucking five characters and run an entire fucking party against an AI DM. That'd be fucking awesome. And it takes well, a fucking computing power, but yeah. Oh, yeah. If I could like find access to this thing and play with it, I, I would do be doing it now, to be honest. Um, I need to look into it a bit more and see if I can get access to this thing. Because even just the idea of solo campaigns exist, like one-on-one with a DM working things out. In most cases, it's to write books and that kind of stuff. Hmm. But can you imagine you set up the parameters for a big bad with the AI and give it a world? Like, right, cool. And now I have the heroes I've made for a book and we're going to see how they fare with everything they have. Like this could really make new media very interesting because it helps randomize what happens. You, you can always plan for things in the future, but you can't guarantee it. Like I think that'd be pretty fun. The problem with a lot of these AI driven things is when they brush up against player creativity. Yeah. Yeah. It's why, uh, generally, the quote-unquote virtual uh, DM is running something like Neverwinter Nights or Baldur's Gate or Icewind Dale or Pillars of Eternity because it actually has a significantly reduced and focused set of things it has to worry about. Because mm. player creativity will do the dumbest shit you have ever seen in your goddamn life. Just Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Not for any value, not for any progress. Hell, it may even hurt the party, mm. but they did it for shits and gigs. Yeah. Honestly, like, I would And love that's where the idea. AIs fall over. Just as an AI that has all the rules built into it would be great just to have as something to refer to. Just like, basically, an Alexa for D&D or Jarvis. Like, hey, define <laughs> this again. Like, oh, it's this. Like, oh, that's awesome. Just Thank you. A rules lawyer in a box. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> hell, I'd make the box and try and program it. It'd be great. It would, <laughs> I'd be keen for that. But it's one of those things that in future could work, um, but it would have to be able to learn. And the longer it learns, the more players doing you know, player interaction that there are, this could turn into something, A, terrifying. It may just end up just taking over humanity uh, or be really fun. 
I'm kind of hoping for taking over humanity because could you imagine the bullshittery of it's like oh like the great machine overlords like where'd it come from ah uh, D&D <laughs> the Great. Terminator running a D and D rule set. So, hey, you can only rule. You can only move thirty feet, mate. Now it's my turn. Stay. <laughs> the, no, the, the Terminator kicks in the door. Roll for initiative. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that was your action. Now I get to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the surprise round. <laughs> oh, it'd be fun. But my bonus D&D. action is to shit myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like the fact that, that D&D has a, a place <laughs> yes. I like the fact that D&D has a place or a space in the online world it's going with it and that was always an issue there was a chance that D&D would try and cling to the past uh, but thankfully because most people who play it are massive nerds they well, that, tend to be the ones the, who be like oh we'll go that way the massive- I think that's one of the so the, the massive boost it's had like during Rona of people that are locked at home going, what the fuck am I going to do? Oh, what's this thing? I can play it online? Like, the amount of people that may have never been into D&D or TTRPGs that are now going, oh, fuck, I can actually play a game with friends and this is actually pretty fucking cool. Like Between that uh, and Stranger Things have once again popularized uh, D&D in massively, yeah. pop culture. Yeah, I think it's made a hell of a difference and I'm only hopeful for where it goes. Yes. Like, well, I mean, depending how you look at it, d and sort of brushing up against a problem where the number of high-quality alternatives is getting very high. Yeah. Um, the Venn diagram of, like, people who like other RPGs who also like D&D has a lot of crossover... But people who play D&D and play other um, RPGs is actually much smaller. So they are heavily relying on that core audience who know, who likes that thing holding it up. Yeah. And they're kind of working with a certain level of, um, what is it, um, uh, brand ubiquitousness. Where, like, do you, what do you think of when you think of tabletop RPG? D&D. Yeah. Everyone knows D&D. Yeah, they are the Velcro sort of, of tabletop gaming. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's had such a like, it's been around for so long, and it's always had a, a stigma of oh, only nerds play that or mm. whatever it is. But it's always been like on the very fringe of sort of society of like not yeah. always had a the greatest name or for the people that play it, which is unfortunate because mm. most of them are the most awesome people I fucking know. Yeah. But mm. it's good; it's actually getting a turnaround. Well, the thing is, though, like, there's lots of other games that have been around for uh, similar amounts of times. Time as D and D, it's like it, a lot of people think of it as like the granddaddy, the first, the Omega, and the only. Hmm. But you know, the original Cyberpunk game was around for a long ass time. Hmm. Uh, so was Savage World. Hmm. So was Palladium. Um, there's been a lot of other systems that yeah. have been around for a long time too. Um, and you're Savage Worlds. I, I am slowly gravitating towards that more than I am to D and D, just because the I, system allows for more freedom. Yeah, flexibility in in what you want to play, but without having to learn an entire new rule set. Mm. Um, and D and D doesn't have that flexibility. Like you, like you, absolutely. I have seen it done. You can twist and bend and flex D and D until it fits the shape of some other campaign that you want to run. 
But if you don't want to run magic slingers and swords and medieval, D&D is not your friend. Yeah. I have definitely seen it moved into more modern settings. Uh, Spelljammer took it into more of a space thing. But it, I, it, it, it it's, it's just for that one thing. And it I feel sad when people are just like, I only play D&D. Dude, there are so many excellent mm. games out there that'll do so many other things. Like they recently redid Spelljammer. Yes, and they did. Yeah, they just. Oh yeah, they did. Not long ago, they redid Spelljammer, and but the like, there's a couple of canned adventures for it, and the the main like player's handbook, whatever the fuck you want to call it for it, feels very much like a here's a world of possibility, but I don't have a lot of detail for you. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun. And I honestly I love Spelljammer because I just I'm a slut for airships, so I just keep stealing their designs. That's all I use Spelljammer <laughs> for. I steal airships and I force piratism on people. That's how it works. <laughs> force last time you let me play in a pirate game, we stole an entire floating airbase. That was a good day. That's when I played a bear who was a culty as fuck. Oh yes, the occult bear. He was fun. But uh yeah, I thought that was his, his character Lobo. description was occulty as fuck. That, that's how we <laughs> defined it. <laughs> uh, but there's like other things to look at for uh, tabletop you know, role-playing games. There's um, Mutants and Masterminds was a fun system, but it was very broken. But there is a Savage Worlds plugin for playing superheroes and some so great good. settings for it. Um like hell I just love the setting of one of them which is called Necessary Evil which is aliens come down it's like oh you have superheroes aren't they great this is amazing let's have a big party we'll you know honor the superheroes they turn up the aliens murder every single superhero it's like cool your world is now ours you as the players now play villains trying to take back the world because fuck it you're going to rule this mud ball not those alien fucks and that's the premise of the game. Like, I love that. The idea of you're not playing the superhero, you know, paragons of justice. You're playing the horrible people in the background who will do anything and anything, everything to reach their goals. Like, I think it's really good about that setting, though. It's, it's flexible enough to have the players decide how they want to ultimately take back the setting. Mm. You can lead into being villains and be like, yes, we will be the king despots of the world. Or you could eventually decide that, no, no, we actually do want to do the hero thing and and save the planet. Yeah. Um, which is something, you know, as we were discussing earlier, most canned adventures for D&D predispose the righteousness of the players. Yeah. Necessary evil goes, some of you are going to be dicks. That's okay. Yeah, you can do that. But I like the fact that Savage Worlds made an alliance with Pathfinder recently and have their own version of that now. So you can so good. you can do things uh, in the Pathfinder kind of world, so sword, sorcery, you know that kind of stuff. But because everything works on what they call as trappings, you could have any power you want, as long as it falls within, say, blast template. So it's like, oh, I want to do damage at a long range. Like, cool, that's blast. What do you want it to look like? Like, oh, I want it to be like a spinning dragon of energy. Like, done. It doesn't change anything. It still just does this damage, but that's what it looks like. You can do whatever you like. And that frees you up for so much random bullshit. Hell, monks are now viable in Pathfinder because of this. See, the thing about Savage Worlds is it really went heavily onto the idea of um, sort of pulp adventure. Mm. 
it wants things to be fast and fun and like do it your way. Um, you can then look at other systems like there's one I really fucking I am so I'm gonna be so happy when the fucking box set finally comes um, that a back called Mothership. Um, and it, it, the entire design of the game is to try and create that sense like it's a it's a space themed hmm. game shock horror. But it really wants to dial in on that really sort of like high tension horror, but not necessarily horror, but stress. Like it wants the situation, like the the stress could be some horrible thing trying to eat your face, or it could just be, oh God, the computer's gone under cascade meltdown and the entire space base is about to fall out of the sky. (laughs) Nice. It really wants that particular thing. So they built an entire game system around this idea that you should be under pressure. And that that pressure will grow and that will cause... It's supposed to try and get you as close to that cascade meltdown as it can without actually having it happen. But, you know, all games are built so that it it should happen eventually. Yeah. Um, It's just so... Like, like, I mean, like... We can talk about D&D for fucking hours. We can talk about a million other games for fucking hours. But there's so much variety in tabletop stuff. Having more high-quality virtual tabletops, even if it's mostly locked to D&D... It's still amazing. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm playing this Beast of Barbarians thing. If we were playing it online and D&D had some great arenas that we could just build this thing in, we could have had some dope stuff set up without even having to play D&D. We just want the space. Nerds want the place to play. <laughs> you give us somewhere, we will attend. <laughs> build it and we will come. Damn right we will. And we'll roll dice all over it. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, oh, without question. <laughs> Left alone like, in like the room, we will sit there and play the dice. I mean, like after that first episode, that what the last time we talked about D and D, like we've all like moved our dice away from our desk. Yeah, so I, don't I, toy with them. I, I've had to lock them in a cupboard so I don't just hold the <laughs> dice. <laughs> we are all just goblins sitting here. Yes, we like the math rocks. They make the click clack sound. <laughs> Well, they do. Don't even pretend they don't. It is, like, it is weirdly satisfying rolling dice. I, like, I absolutely I can understand, understand how casinos when, have made so much money now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get, I get the vibe of a craps table when I'm sitting at a D&D table and someone's about to make the big roll to take oh. down the big bad guy and literally everyone's on the edge of their seat staring at this little things rolling across the table waiting to know what number comes up I am a massive fan of Dimension 20 and I really love their idea of the box of doom but I need to have one made for myself like make my own version of it because there's something weird about like right this is a box of doom roll which means you have to roll it in a special little thing because of the tension it's like I don't know why but this makes it better fuck you like, oh, it's simple. You get to decide where the tension is. You can yeah. be like, "Look, this is a save or die roll." We're doing it in the box of doom. Mm. It it adds that little extra bit. Like, there's a. I, I mean, I've talked to you because we talked a lot about stuff that you want to 3D print. Yeah. Um, about sometimes, particularly D and D players, they really love. Maybe not like I know a lot of people who don't really like miniatures and maps. But they love little tactile things mm. um, as, as a thing to use. Uh, Savage World uses these things called bennies, and it's really encouraged that they're not imaginary. They really want you to give chips out because they they feel like you have something and that you have something to spend. Yeah, it's 
That's um, the difference at a casino where they're getting a, a token for a credit or actually having a chip or actually spending a dollar on it. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a very big difference to, I'm going to feed this paper into this machine to, I've got a handful of fucking chips. Like, these mean yeah. something. Yeah. Like, it's um, a very big so difference. player. Yeah. So, you know, D&D players love, like, more tactile things to, to interact with. So, adding that extra little bit of layer of, like, how do I amp up the scene? Well, we're going to bring out this extra thing that we only use when shit's going off. And, yeah, it absolutely makes sense why that would just absolutely... Mm, the tension. Mm. Uh, I mean, we've de- I've talked to you about... Because you, you've talked to me a couple times about creating, like, a little mimic chest. Yeah. And I think it would be really cool that if... When people wanted to spend their bennies, they had to feed the mimic. I love that. Idea. Um just to have some fun with it and add this little like that that spent you fed the mimic um you know just have fun with it like just because you're not you're doing theater of the mind doesn't mean you can't do dumb shit with the table oh yeah definitely and like i i don't really use minis or all that kind of stuff it's more we use do everything mostly in our heads but those fun little things you can occasionally throw in like yes this is the thing you're fighting like you know, showing something mm. up on the screen or you know something to help the oh, tension yeah. along, like ambience, just setting music and that kind of stuff just helps so mm. much. Oh, we have we haven't done music in a while. <laughs> oh, it's, it got a bit weird because I swear I, everyone has a minor superpower. Mine is apparently the um, whatever uh, Spotify or whatever playlist I'm listening to at the time somehow finds the exact appropriate music at the exact possible time. Like, it's pretty good at it I, I don't I know how it works like I, I leave it alone and it just plays in the background but somehow we always get battle music in the battle point we always get town music in the town point like I, I don't know what this is <laughs> not a bad superpower to have because finding music can be a bitch and like oh, oh, I've, oh, got, oh yeah. I've got the perfect song for this give me five seconds to find it five hours later <laughs> like, I mean one of the things I want to build is literally just an ambience machine where I have a couple of buttons and dials so I can ramp up how exciting it's meant to be and what place they're in it's like that ah, cool done macros well, just be table mimic we're in a we're in a town town yeah. music or table mimic town. we're in a battle but <laughs> yeah it's like town level zero is ambient music you level it up yeah. oh you're doing some things you just keep ramping it up with a switch to the point where it's like oh shit's gone down everything's on fire run <laughs> oh. Table mimic, cheese it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that would have to be Benny a macro. Hill. That would have to be a thing. Table mimic, cheese it. It just plays Benny Hill. That's all it is. <laughs> um, we've just made the table mimic more complicated for you, Swiss, because now it has to be able to play music. Oh, of course. Oh, it, it was always going to, I think, but it's. Slowly becoming like my version of Alexa is the table mimic, and one day I'll get around to figuring out how to program so I can do it properly. It would end up being so much more popular in the the tabletop RPG community. Oh, <laughs> so, I'd have so much fuck fun. Alexa, give me a table mimic. <laughs> yeah, I'll happily do. It. The thing is, I know enough like um, programmers that I could just like kidnap one of them and be like, right, we're programming this now, and they'd probably do a pretty good job at it. I mean, all you have to do is feed them Doritos and Mountain Dew and then they'll crap out code. Exactly. It's amazing. But, uh. Anyway, we're out past an hour. Fuck, that's so, fine, uh, Mike. Yeah, oh, the minute we got onto D&D stuff, it just gone. Can you tell <laughs> we're excited about D&D? D&D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one. See ya. <laughs>